It's a very special episode of Back on the Block. Well, they're all very special episodes. This is but this special. one. Well, I was just going to say, this one has uh, the return of a very special guest star. My <laughs> quarantine mate. Your mate, mate, your quarantine mate. We've got Alyssa on with us tonight. Yay, everybody clap. Yay. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome Thanks back to the block. Me. Yes. Okay, gang, we are on season four, episode 984,672, <laughs> The Triumph of the Bill. Guys, yeah. I have to say, there is something super prophetic about watching the season during the pandemic where we've been sheltering in place for weeks on end and the days kind of bleed into each other and that is this season. Yeah, but this is a very special episode in that, like, I have a special hatred for it. Oh, this is such a very it's, special episode. It's a terrible episode all around. It's weird. It's weirdly balanced. There's a lot of characters who have nothing to do in it. Like, there's too much Billy. So much Billy. Well, I guess we should just sort of, like, start off with there is no Matt. No Matt. I, even so- though... Yeah, even though we weren't clear where his story ended last week, there's no continuation this week. Yeah, so I'm. Are we done with him for the season? No, no, no. I, I no. He comes back. Okay. Well, few. I mean, I'd hate to. I'd hate for him to pull a Rhonda. No, but I was thinking at one point. I was like, you know, I'm surprised they didn't just write Matt off when they wrote Rhonda off at the end. I mean, truly, because they've given him so little, and what they have given him has been shit. Yeah, well, that's not changing. Okay, poor Matt. But, poor Matt. but um, the actor who played Alan has liked posts of mine on Facebook recently, so there's that. That's exciting. Yes. That's Thanks, Lonnie Skyler. <laughs> yeah. So we're getting to the end of the season now. We've only got what? We, we are actually on episode 26. Um, it's, it 26? You said? Okay. Yeah. Um, we have six episodes left, I think, including the two-hour-long finale. Okay, so we are getting, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. But, but, but believe it or not, there are still new story arcs to be introduced between now and then. Well, this is the extraordinary thing. I felt like there were storylines being introduced in this episode, and like we're coming to the conclusion of the season so quickly. It's like they brought up a storyline and they wrapped it up within this episode so that the whole episode felt like rushed and pointless and didn't make any sense. And the characters were doing things that they weren't doing last week in last week's episode. It was actually a very strange episode. Yeah. I mean, I wonder even if it sort of fell out of order, like, and maybe at one point, some of the plot points that happened here were meant to have happened before, not necessarily come later. I don't know if that would have worked as well, but it was like, at one point, did they just cram all this in and say, all right, this episode is going to come after the one that preceded it? I don't know. I don't know. It felt like a lot of filler, and it just felt like a lot of filler. Like, if we cobbled together deleted scenes and made an episode. (laughs) This is the episode they'd give us. (laughs) (laughs) This is the episode we deserve. Oh, guys, where do we start? Because it was a very special episode in the whole D&D storyline where they were sort of doing an exploration of sexual harassment, glass ceiling. Do we save that for last? Because that was sort of the longest. Yeah, Yeah. we should do the, I think there's like basically three other chunks of story going on and we should get all of them 
uh, out of the way first. I mean... I think we, Kimberly is, like, I the think, best place to start, right? Yeah, which, given where we were where we were with her last year at this time, right now those storylines are lifting right out. Whether you think they're entertaining or not, and they're not. Um, like, the Kimberly stuff right now doesn't connect to anyone. She and Michael now are an island. But, yes, let's talk about Kimberly. Well, I'm actually really, really glad that Alyssa has joined us because the lipstick. (laughs) That's true. Which one is that? I remember that from the 90s. Was that Vamp? No. Didn't, like, Chanel have have a... It was a Chanel lipstick, and it was that almost black. And because all the goths were wearing the black and like, it wasn't cool until Chanel came out with this lipstick. And, and, and it was at the same time that they had that nail, maybe the nail polish was vamp, but it was very, very dark. They have, they have it in both. It could be vamp. It could also be like, Revlon Rum Raisin. I don't know if Rum Raisin is as dark. Rum Raisin is a little lighter. Um, there's a Mac one, Mac. Anyway, I know specifically. <laughs> yeah, but I know specifically at that time period, Chanel came out with this color that was like a very dark, almost black, but it had elements of like yeah. purple and red in it that like all of a sudden became this sort of high fashion rage. And yeah, uh, it and it looked look like Kimberly like was wearing it. It does look like Vamp. Yeah. I think you can still get Vamp. You know, I would wear it in a second because I think it's a lovely color. Yeah, but she looked ridiculous. I okay. So Kimberly, we, yeah, Kimberly, as we know, has been having married Michael again, and all of a sudden that sort of triggered her multiple personality disorder again. So we've been dealing for the past few episodes with Betsy, which is kind of like her buttoned up. Uh, 50s, 50s housewife, housewife Mormony, whatever, yeah. you know, sort of like uber uptight, tipper gore character. And, um, well, now we've, in, we've been, we are now introduced to a new personality, Rita. Welcome, Rita. Welcome, Rita. Rita's a badass. She wears vamp lipstick. She smokes cigars and apparently bought a Triumph motorcycle. Yeah. And her, sure. and her hair is wavy. <laughs> yes, and her hair is wavy. So when when we sort of first see Michael and Kimberly, Kimberly is like in her Betsy nightgown with the sheets pulled up to her neck, and Michael is like next to her, kind of basically being like, "What the fuck?" And then he, you know he tries to get carnal, and she's like, "No, no, no!" And he's just like, "Whatever, I'm going to go take a shower." And when he gets out of the bed, all of a sudden she becomes Rita. And she prowls into the bathroom and surprises him in the shower. And now we've got Rita for the rest of the episode. Yep. Rita has been hatched. Yes. So we have Rita and um, she even goes to visit Peter as Rita. And, um, and Peter is kind of like, well, uh, apparently getting concerned. Maybe. I mean, like, yeah, a little bit. But the thing is also Rita is, seems to be like the puppeteer. Because she has, like, complete self-awareness about what the others, what the alters are doing. So she's, like, very self-awarely narrating all of this to Peter. And he's like, um, okay, okay, but not doing much more. It's basically just, 
to catch the audience up that they're giving Kimberly multiple split personalities of right, all kinds. Right. And I, I, you know, was this around the time of Sybil or was this after, like, or was, <laughs> do you mean Sally later? Field, Sybil? I mean, I mean the book. I remember when she was on Oprah. This was, no, Sybil was much longer, longer. It was like in the early seventies, that book. Okay. But funny you bring that up. Around the same time, 95, 96, and this was airing April 96, uh, the soap, the daytime soap, One Life to Live, had a very successful multiple personality storyline for its heroine matriarch character that resulted in back-to-back Emmys, and I kind of think they were piggybacking off of that. I was going to ask, means- do you think there was some copycat going on here? I do. Okay. That's, where I, that's where I think it comes from. Okay. So, I mean, what I mean, what can we say about this? Kimberly is just spiraling again. Peter is trying to get her back on track and Michael just wants to have sex. I think he said it beautifully. Boom. Yeah, it feels like such filler. Like I said, deleted deleted scenes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally a deleted scene. All of this was probably like from episodes your that they were like, Yeah, we don't have room for this. Well, let's throw it all together in this one. Okay, so uh, next up, where do we go? I mean, Alicia said and Bobby. Again, two seconds. Oh, I, I guess Bobby is an airplane mechanic now. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering about that. So when we see Bobby, he's actually fixing small craft, uh, small aircrafts. <laughs> and I, don't you need some sort of education for that? I mean, you would think. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want Bobby fixing my airplane. No, I would only want to look at that aircraft. I would not want to fly it. No. So so that's his new job. But, like, Sid shows up to the office, the Bobby's old office, which, by the way, is a brand new office. Did you guys notice that? No. No. It looked like a completely different office. Um, no, I didn't catch that. Okay, it looked like a completely different, because, like, remember his other office was, like, really dark, and there was, like, no wind, like, and, like, like, I don't know, I just remember his office being really dark, and dark wood, and, like, claustrophobic almost, and now, and no windows behind him, and now there's, like, they're, like, in a high-rise, and, like, there's expansive scenes behind them, and a giant desk, and a giant office that was almost airy. I felt like it was a completely different office. Oh, no, I guess I just thought they were filming it from different angles where we saw more of the desk and the windows and we usually saw her perspective, which was the entrance and the front door. But I think you're onto something. I I felt like it was the... Anyway, um, Sid wants her to hire Bobby because he needs a job. I guess she realizes that him fixing planes is probably a terrible idea. (laughs) Um, And Alicia just doesn't seem really down with that. Um, And then... There's sort of that felt kind of pointless, except to have a scene where we see Bobby fixing a plane, right? Yeah. Right. And again, at one point, doesn't Bobby ask Sid why she is trying to get involved with him? Oh, at this point, I can't even keep track. I mean, maybe, probably, but I do know, like, she's because she, like, asked him, she's like, well, you need to move in with me because your lease is up and you've got nowhere to go and you can't pay your yeah. bills. And yeah. he was like, okay, but no hanky-panky, basically. Yeah. I mean, this storyline is DOA, which is unfortunate because I would have been down for something to actually take off, so to speak, between the two of them. 
and they, it never does. I mean, because it's getting such a setup for that. And then it just sort of wah, wah. Basically, just, that's what's happening. It's yeah. just like a reason to give Sydney something to do. Like, I spoke about this when I was on, when I was on your podcast a couple weeks ago. It's like, Sydney looks right out. Like, I yeah. don't remember, other than the, the matching dress with Amanda, it's like, I don't remember a, when the last time she had a storyline or seen even Jane. Like, I think the only other time. I think yeah, you, the only other time is when she put the drugs in Jane's drink, and that's the only like. Okay. Otherwise, she doesn't. She doesn't drive any storyline, and it's just crazy the way that the writers, whoever the showrunner, has just squandered her. Well, I think that. Maybe as we we're getting towards the end of the season, like I almost feel like there, it was like panic stations in the writers' room because they were like, "Oh my God, Sid is our most compelling character, and we've given her nothing all season long. We quick, hurry up, we better give her something, or else people aren't going to come back." Yeah, I don't even think they realize that. I think they think whatever they've been doing has been the right thing, but it's not the right thing. I know, but we're not writing the show. It's so not the right thing. It's not the right thing. I know. It's very wrong. But even, like, I could believe, you know, she tried to seduce Bobby at that event with the matching dress. Like, I could believe. Absolutely. If they had done it better, if they had done it better, I could believe that she would go after Bobby. But for her to just come out of nowhere and bail him out and continuously sort of harass him, <laughs> annoy him, like, out of nowhere, with no connection to anything else, with no context. It's like, it feels desperate on the writer's part. There was definitely, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And I do completely agree that if they had massaged that the storyline better there actually could have been some there there but they yes. just yeah. they just completely squandered an opportunity um you know I, for who the hell knows why it's true who knows okay um and that's I, and that's basically it that for is those basically stories. it that was literally two scenes with Sid like right um, that was it there were there were no other scenes with her yeah, it's the Sid with Alicia and Sid with Bobby, and I think that's it. And that was it. I mean, you know, just like, um, you know, just like Kimberly, I think maybe she had three scenes. Yeah, you maybe. Know? And and so it was just kind of like whatever. Now Jane, Jake, Joe, and Richard. Why is this still happening, guys? They had more <laughs> scenes. But holy shit! <laughs> I mean, the, the last time we saw them, I thought Richard like was making amends and he was going to be working for Jane, but now all of a sudden he's not working for Jane and he's an asshole. And I like, I'm like, (laughs) I don't even know what the hell is going on anymore. Right. So I think part of it is Richard went like tail between his legs to Jane because he needed someone because he was like his whole business had tanked. And I think it's supposed to be a twist that he's not really a fan of Jane, that he is trying to take her down from the inside in a way now. But it doesn't really work as a gotcha. It doesn't really work as a surprise. Um, and it's not interesting. And I said... Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And I said this to Doug. I might be jumping the gun a little bit. Doug and I said this when we watched the episode. This is the second storyline Jane has had where somebody has tried to 
has like planted somebody to ruin her relationship. He, oh, yes. so, the, we um, should, so we should back up a little bit. So to summarize, for those who are following along but haven't seen the episode, in the last in the prior episode, Jake had a one night stand at that work event in the hotel, a very drunken one night stand um, with this woman who turned up to be Jane's new assistant in her garage office. So now Jake is confronted by that woman, Claire, who it turns out has secretly been like stalking Jake now and calling him and not leaving him alone. We learn that in the confrontation Jake has with Claire. Then in another scene, Claire goes to Richard, and it turns out Richard had hired her all along to sleep with Jake and now essentially torment slash blackmail him. Right. Not really anyone's idea of a surprise. Or am I wrong? Well, I wasn't expecting um, that twist. I mean, I knew that Claire sticking around, like, that was obviously going to be a wrench in, Mm -hmm. in Jake and Jane's relationship. I wasn't quite expecting that Richard was behind it because again, the last time I thought the last time we saw Richard, well, I, I mean, why did Jane have an assistant anyway? Cause Richard, I thought was supposed to be the one that, that was helping her in the first place. Like, again, all of this makes, I, I feel like we have a storyline again, that makes zero sense. Well, yeah. And how did she find her? How did she hire her? Yeah. Is she, how was she able to pay this woman anything? Right. And because where is Jane's, like, we've never gotten a sense of, like, you know, Jane was struggling, Jane was struggling, and then all of a sudden she's uber successful and she needs to be hiring I people? I don't know. They get, they play for the fast and lose with Jane's success. Like, I can't quite tell if she is supposed to be successful. And I feel the same way about Jane and she designs her storefront, uh, whatever the operation was going on. Like, she obviously has some sort of success, but like it doesn't really translate to anything else. They just like they show, they tell and not show, right? But, so I don't quite know. It's like how successful can Richard be? Like they're like he's like in a strip mall. <laughs> you know, <what> I mean? <laughs> he's got like ten people working for him in a strip mall. Like so, it's you know, just to like really say, we always joke that like the Melrose Place writers don't know how the fashion industry works, how the advertising industry works. How the medical how the field works. <laughs> You're in my sterile space or whatever the hell that was. <laughs> my sterile field. My sterile field. So, yeah, I can't quite... I guess she's supposed to be successful with her ugly-ass leopard print jumpsuits, but I, I don't know. I mean, so, okay, so, so, now, Jake has been confronted with this person, this woman, who he has, he had a one-night stand with, drunken one-night stand, he thought he and Jane had been broken up, well, you know, surprise on you, Jake, Jane didn't feel the same way the next day, um, they get back together, he's got guilt, um, meanwhile, we, we have Richard, and hit like, packing up his strip mall office, and and he's you know and and he's and now we have angry Richard and you know and Richard is like we see he's like the he's he's hired this woman and then Joe shows up now the last time we had Richard and Joe together I thought that they had decided that they were going to try and work it out and now they're like mortal enemies again yeah 
they've had this on again, off again thing for a, a couple episodes. I feel like it goes up and down, but never really conclusive. Um, but yeah, I feel like the last time we saw them, like she was really trying to help Richard. Uh, she didn't have any real antipathy for him at all. And all of a sudden they come in and they like both essentially uh, hate each other. Yeah. And, and like, and now, and now they're done. Like we see it. Now they're done. And I remember the scene rather specifically from when it first aired, because it's very decisive. Um, she even tells Richard that, well, Richard admits that, though it was an accident, he stole Jane's designs. And Joe admits that, yeah, I found out Jane is the one who lit the fire that set the sprinklers off. And he's he's like, I don't even care. He's just trying to give Joe the big brush off. Um, and And then he finally says, I can't believe you're still here. To which Joe responds, <laughs> I'm already gone. Yeah. And that is that. They are done. And I was like, we can't believe she's still there either, honey. I, know. I don't I can't believe she's ever there. Like, I know, right? I we, why was she there in the first she place? Did. Was she the creative director? She's another one where it's like, I can never really quite gauge how successful she's supposed to be. Like, I, I never can figure out what kind of photographer she really is. Well, yeah, because she's a photographer, and yet she's, like, running a whole company. She's, like, so. creative director, yeah. Yeah, she went so, from photographer yeah. to creative director and basically, like, you know, a night. Yeah, I mean, keep in mind, these are the same writers that had Brooke as a 40-year-old intern, and then in one day, <laughs> she got the corner office at D&D, so. Well, I mean, think of it this way. They were ahead of their time. Look at what happened with Robert De Niro. That's right. In the intern. Yes, that's the name true, of the movie. True, true, true. How could I forget that? Um, I forgot the um, name of the movie. But, but yeah, uh, to bring it back to Alyssa's point, this is the same setup we saw two seasons back when Michael had Sid have one of the other prostitutes sleep with Richard? <laughs> no, no. Uh, um, Robert. The lawyer, Robert. Robert. I think his name was Robert. Oh, um, the only nice guy. Up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the only nice guy that's, yep, who got who got felled by the stripper, or the prostitute, we should say. Right. Not so, so it's the, the, the same poor Jane storyline. I think they sort of throw a little twist in there, in that instead of dragging this out, the next time we see Jake, he fesses up to Jane immediately about the affair. And yeah, which forgive- is my favorite part of, it's my favorite part of the episode, because she's like, the girl is like, we're having an affair, and he's like... Not an affair. We made love once. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like so ridiculous and so impassioned, and it, it it made me laugh. And then and then it was and then I think it, and then Jane kind of forgives him. Yeah. Yes. You, you know, even that wasn't like this blow up or this like whatever. It was just she just kind of forgives him. Yeah, there's like a quid pro quo of mistakes where basically she's like, well, all right. Jake had an affair, he had a one-night stand, and I'm the one who lit the fire at the fashion show and got caught, so let's just move on. We'll just call it square. Yeah, Yeah. we'll just call it square and move on. Okay, so here's the thing that really threw me. At the very end of the episode, Jake goes to Richard and basically says, you need a business and Jane needs a business person to help her. You, you need to, I, I want you to come in and, and be part of her company and help her. 
But didn't it was like deja vu? Didn't he do that a yeah. few weeks ago? And that's why yeah. Richard came back around and was being cordial. Um, yes, but my future knowledge of the show knows that this is for a more specific purpose, which is basically to like, when Jane has to go on the road and do a presentation, Richard has to really be the one that helps with that, which will have other consequences. Okay. So that is, there is a specific, though very clumsy reason that they are doing this. Right. But I feel like we had already been through this, though, like this point of like Jake or whomever bringing them back together because, you know, they, they both were yin and yang in terms of the business part of things. Like Jane couldn't, you know, figure out a spreadsheet. Richard was a crap designer. Together, they can be the next, right. you know, Valentino fashion house. Do, do you know what I mean? So it's so it, it, I, and leopard spandex bodysuits. So in their in their strip mall garage, <laughs> strip mall garage with those god awful curtains. What the fuck with the curtains? <laughs> um. So so I just feel like we've we've been here before. Am I wrong? Ha, didn't didn't wasn't there a thing that so like a couple of weeks ago? Like haven't they already been sort of like business-wise, back together? I honestly don't remember. I, I can't tell. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we don't know anymore. This storyline is sort of going in circles. Um, yeah, and I think that's pretty much it, other than Joe does go and visit Jake at Shooters, and he is aware that she and Richard are no longer a couple, and they will still not get back together. Yeah. Yeah. And they still did that thing where she was like, I don't understand why we don't work together. Yeah. We're perfect. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, how many times are you guys going to do this? Did she say well, like, we were so good together or something? And he kind of agreed. I like them together a lot. They've been my favorite couple. I agree. I'm, I'm with you 100%. Because I feel like they make Joe such an idiot when she's with everyone else. And, like, yep. she's sort of, like, cool and... And with it, when she's with Jake, in a way we don't see her with anyone else. Yeah, and then when she when she's with these other men, she's like, she's just so she's just such a so weak, stupid. Yeah, she's so stupid, <laughs> and she's such a she such ends a up victim. having this vic, yeah, this victim personality. She's like Jane. Yeah. Yeah, we already have a Jane. We okay. don't need Joe to become a second Jane. We don't need a second Jane, and you know. And and that's not when she showed up on Mallory's place in the first place. She was a badass. Yeah. yeah, and she truly was. And I mean, I mean, she was a victim, but she was sort of like you know because her husband was abusive. The ex, but but she was kind of taking control of it. She escaped. She ran. She was tough. She was from New York, and now she, she had a just, motorcycle. She had she a motorcycle. Gun. Yeah, <laughs> she had guns and motorcycles, and now she's just flailing. I guess, was it Reed that, like, really, like, because after, when Reed, the whole Reed storyline was that she came, she was going to a high school reunion, right, in, like, yep. San Francisco or something else, Reed, and yeah. We, were, yeah. we were like, oh, they've totally retconned her character yeah. already? Yep. Yeah, because originally she had been from New York, and all of a sudden it was like, yeah, I went to high school in the San Fran Bay area or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it was already this sort of, like, what? Yeah, they, they already screwed with her storyline way back when. Way, way back when. I do so, love these shooters, because it's like, I, 
I love that there it's always hopping and, and clearly Jake is rolling in the dough. <laughs> but he always has money problems. I know. I don't understand. Shooters is always packed. He's always he just manages his dish room, I guess. Clearly. But Shelly did that for him. Oh, and speaking of, like, okay, so now that we no longer have, wait, what happened to the money that... Well, I was just gonna, I was, I was waiting to bring that up. They completely abandoned that storyline about, like, the the bounty hunter and all of that. Yeah. Yeah, so... The, 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 the loan shark. The loan shark, yeah. yeah. So, because Jake needed the bailout and had to go to a loan mm. shark for the money, and, and Bobby sort of saw the loan shark kind of threatening... Jake and Jake didn't like having to shake down other people for this loan shark and and so Bobby went and paid a visit to the loan shark took over the loan and basically was like well and now I have the loan you can just pay me back no big deal I'm not going to make you rough anyone up but now that the cable company is so the cable company I guess that was one of their assets they owned they owned a bar I like I don't you know and but now what? there's no follow through but I don't think anyone don't... ever questioned it I don't know, they also sort of, like, is he no longer, does he no longer have, like, ties to the mob or whatever he had? Like, Which one, Bobby or Jake? Bobby, Bobby. Probably Jake, too, I, if, if, but, it, uh, I mean, Bobby. Well, like, does yeah. he, well, like, I mean, where has his family been in all this? Well, his dad was, is basically like, you know, his dad was basically like, you're dead to me, Bobby, because of a man. Yeah, yeah basically, yeah, they didn't, man, they, didn't, they didn't kill him, but his dad disowned him, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So, so he's not, he's not connected to the mob, but he also has no money. And everybody thinks That's he's he had connected to, to the mob. That's why, well, potentially, yes. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, anyway, what a mess. So, um, I guess, we're, we're so done talk with about that. a mess. Yeah, we're talking. Yeah, we're done with everyone else. Now we have to face the music with the D and D storyline, and that is a huge mess. Although a very relevant one, a mess nonetheless. Yeah. So this is where we get into a very special episode. I hate every part of this story. I hate it. I hate it. It just got. It got worse. It was kind of fun when they were researching the history of flight, but now it's like it's really unbearable. Well, okay. You know how we're always saying, like, we do, like we thought Amanda Amanda owned the company, but she always talks about these like people that she has to report to the bosses, and we're like, who are the bosses? We finally meet the boss, and it's Michael Debar. Yes. God, I love who seeing will, him in who things. Will, who will reappear throughout season five? I I love him. Actually, I love his wife or ex wife. I don't know if they're still married. Yeah. Do you no, know? they they've been divorced. They've been divorced for like decades, I think. They have been divorced for decades. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, in my head, they're still married. I, I mean, I don't. I only know him because of Pamela. Yeah. So Pamela, who recently had a, a very impressive Mark Marin interview, going back a couple months. Um, Did she really? Yeah. 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 Oh, uh, that makes sense. Known, known for, I guess, I don't know if she had a a book or years or ago years oh, ago so it was no, called no. time with the band well she had several yeah, yeah, yeah. Books. well she's had she's had like 17 books but i think this was to promote the newest one yeah but she very famously slept with a lot of rock musicians she was the ultimate groupie yeah. and she was like the muse to jimmy page and um keith moon and Oh my god! I think she actually had like a one night thing with the doors she she spent she did time with Mick Jagger i mean she was like 
in that whole scene. I, I, when I was, her, I'm with the band came out in, oh God, in like the eighties. Yeah, and I, so. I, when I was in like high school and it was just like my Bible cause I like loved, <laughs> lived for music. And I just it was like, I want her life because it sounded so amazing and fun and wild and crazy. And I was like, I just want to go to LA and like hang out at the whiskey and, and, and the sunset strip and like meet all these bands and just listen to music all day. And apparently there was a re-release of the book last year because it was its 30th anniversary. Oh, oh, okay. Well, so, so that's how old it is. <laughs> yeah, so, that's when it came out. So anyway, um, she she's fascinating, um, and that's how I found out about Michael DeBar. It was her husband, and um, and yeah, I mean, he's just kind of an actor, but he married Pamela, and that's how I know him. Yeah, so he's like the super sleazoid boss. He's totally sleazy. Um, and so basically the boss, uh, they, like when we open it up, they, Amanda has to go to this club and it's like men only. And of course she storms away in cause she's awesome. And, and he kind of like, you know, appeases her and has her sit down and because she wants to talk to him about something. And then he's like, oh, and that Billy Campbell, he's an up and comer. Have him give this keynote speech at this conference that Amanda always gives the keynote speech for. And so basically, and Heather Locklear, I think, played this really, really well because I felt like you could see her like in the moment having this like, you're fucking me. You're totally going to screw me over yeah, for this guy. Several- Several times, particularly in this episode, you see her doing this mental negotiation of like, well, fuck, this is what I have to do. I don't like it, but I'm going to do it and, and commit to it. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. And, and so it was, I, I felt like Heather did a, a fantastic job here. And so she uh, kind of doesn't really agree, but kind of agrees. But then when she goes back to the office, Billy pisses her off and she's like, Allison, <laughs> you're going to give the keynote. <laughs> Yeah, there's this conference. Is it is it just like an advertising conference? And this the the keynote theme this year is on ethics. Yes. I wasn't clear about that. I think that um, was it. Yeah, but but yes, the, and I know you're not a Star Wars fan, but when we were watching, I kept likening uh, the Michael DeBar character to uh, Emperor Palpatine, who's like the disgusting, like oily big bad throughout the the series of. Uh, Star Wars, um, and it's also funny because Billy basically shows up in the office in the next scene after the cold <laughs> open, um, wearing this ugly ass vest. So I said, and he looks like Jar Jar Binks. So for the Star Wars fans <laughs> listening, references galore. But if you're a Batman fan, we have a reference for you too coming up. So just you wait. Oh boy. Um, okay. So wh- what happened after that moment where? Um, where Amanda was like, "You, uh, Allison, you get to give the keynote." I mean, it was, and then they kind of like gives, ended up at Allison. The Billy right? gives Billy like a mini lecture, and then I think the next time we see them is when they're all walking around in Palm Springs, wherever the conference is. Wherever the conference uh, is, yeah. And and Billy's like making the rounds. Allison has written this whole speech. I think she's um, getting ready to present it to Amanda that night before. Um, and that's when, when Billy is, like, scoping the scene. Yeah, and we meet Ju- Julie Newmar. Yes, the first Catwoman from the Batman series. Uh, yes, the very famous Julie Newmar, who I don't really even think was a get by 1996. 
I don't know how many people know who she is now, but in 96, I didn't really think that was, like, audience bait for a show. Well, when was Chuang Fu? That was earlier that year. But so I don't that's think probably Julie what they Newmore. were trying, kind of tying into. Because but I don't think Julie Newmore is the takeaway from Tu Wong Fu, which is a movie I know Alyssa and I like very much. I kind of feel like maybe it, she wasn't the takeaway, but at least her name was hanging out there again. I guess. That's kind of where I felt like, because when, when it was like Julie Newmar, I was like, oh, it must be from Tu Wong Fu. Because like, that, that would have been the immediate association. Yeah. And, and it would have been out in the ether, so that's kind of probably why they did it because, like, they wouldn't, they couldn't get Patrick Swayze or whoever was in it into Wong Fu. Um. So yeah. So she's there, and she is apparently trying to revitalize her career by doing an ad for a rival agency. Yeah. For a rival. Yeah. But you know, Billy decides that he wants to poach her, and so apparently, like, oh, she's. This- this Ugh. stupid little boy so comes up with stupid. the most implausible, nefarious scheme, and it works. Uh, okay. So the reason why Julie Newmar decided that she was going to do an advertising campaign in the first place is the smarmy non-D&D guy apparently has... Incriminating photos. Photos from her younger days, which is, again, like, why would anybody care? And he's basically saying... You have to do this ad for really cheap or else I'm going to expose these photos, which honestly would have probably been great for her career. Yeah, um, that would have yeah. been a bigger blitz. Yeah. Like, that even, would have been, even then, yeah, that and, would have been better publicity. Yeah, yeah. and then she could have, and then she so could have gotten a fortune because that was the other thing she was complaining about, that, like, you know, they were getting her for a pittance. Um, and so Billy decides that he is going to... That he's going to ha- be in Allison's room that night so that she can practice her speech. But he maybe or maybe not slipped or something so that when she they fell asleep, it's not you clear. are You are correct. It is not conclusive. But Allison basically passes out sometime not, not too early, I guess, not super late in the night while Billy is in the hotel room waiting for it. There's no way that Billy did not drug Allison. They don't come out and say it because they can't, I guess. But Billy had to drug Allison for her to pass out like that. And then he climbs from her balcony into the balcony next door, which is where Julie Newmar happens to be staying. Julie Newmar's room is because she, when she got the contract from the advertising dude, he also handed over the the incriminating photos so she had them in her room so billy so goes and Billy's takes them that yeah. allison had the room that was right next to julie newmar's of all people even if you say okay they gave allison a, a suite because she's giving the keynote address at the last minute fine but how did billy necessarily know we don't even see him putting it all together. He just knows already that, well, I know where Allison's staying and happens to be right next to Julie Newmar. Yeah, because he was like, he said something to Allison, like, oh, isn't your room next to hers? And that was it. And it was like, how do you know this? And then also, this? he somehow is able to sneak in through the window of Julie Newmar's hotel room, doesn't disturb her, but, and knows exactly where the contract is. Right. And then he sneaks back into Allison's room and basically plants, and plants it. it in Allison's yeah. room so that the next morning Amanda finds it and she's like, Allison, what are you doing with this? And, and you know, this is the ethics conference. And Allison is like, 
that's not mine. I didn't do that. Billy must have drugged me and snuck out of my room and climbed over into Julie Newmar's room. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I was like, wow, how'd you guess? <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, I think while Amanda puts up a front, I think she must have realized that everything Allison is saying and what Billy is doing happened. But she's going to go along with it because she's got not bigger fish to fry, but herself to, to keep up. Right. And essentially, um, the uh, the big boss there, smarmy Michael DeBars, is like, he, he confronts Amanda at the conference, you know, I told you to give Billy, Billy's going to do the keynote, um, you know, why is Allison doing it? So, um, so Amanda makes that last minute change now. Billy is doing the keynote, and it's terrible. Well, it's it's terrible, and it's awkward, and it's poorly delivered by the actor, because... It looks like this is where Billy is going to crack. Yeah. It looks like where the soul of Brooke is going to stop possessing him. And he is going to finally admit to all of his really unethical behavior. Yeah, because he's basically yet, up there yet, giving a speech about yeah. ethics in advertising. And the speech is basically like, there are no ethics. That was his speech. Yeah. yeah and... he's, like a, he's like a Batman villain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dressed like Joe Jarbing. Yeah. Yeah. All of those. Um, and somehow in the end, it's like he does save the day and gets, you know, he basically does like a Jerry Maguire motivational speech um, where his honesty is what people actually take to. Um, and and so, so again, everyone is impressed with him. And uh, I didn't even want to describe all the stuff Amanda does next. I was so disappointed in her. Yeah. So basically... Amanda seduces Billy for her job because she she knows the big boss is looking at him as the next big thing. And this is her preservation moment. And again, props to Heather Locklear as they're sort of panning to her face while right before they're about to dive in and do the deed, you can see the look on her face is like, Oh God, I can't wait till this is over. Yeah. Like uh, this is, this is business. Um, and, but yeah, she very visibly pulls him away from the celebration that Billy is having with everyone at the top of D and D, who are of course, of course, all men. Um, and then in the final segment, Michael Debar comes over and congratulates him for nailing Amanda and said, "We all knew, we all heard." I mean, the whole thing is not just icky and and about disgusting behavior, but is also not what this show is. Right. Right. And I think it was that's yeah. my biggest problem. They're not they're addressing a truth about the working world and about men versus women and the glass ceiling and all of that that existed then in the nineties and exists now. But that's not what this show is. This show played with things like betrayal and boardroom takeovers and affairs and prostitutes, sure, but it never tried to put both feet in the real world like that once they started going crazy. And it doesn't work. Right. And it's gross. And I, and I mean, I think that they probably could have done something. They could probably could have put some, you know, a foot or two in the real world, but this was not the way to do it. Yeah. I mean, this just was absolutely hideous. It was like, I think the boss, the big boss said, Oh, how did the ice queen melt? We've all been dying yeah. to know. Yeah. And like, you know, and it's like, I'm sorry, but Amanda has been like, you know, this tough as nails, you know, 
hellion running this ad ad agency for years with these absentee owners and now all of a sudden we're expected to believe that she is going to stand for this crap and also we've never been given any indication that this was something she had to put up with right had dealt with was trying to avoid that wasn't at all what she had going on right exactly so this so this is yet another storyline that comes out of left field so when we get back to D&D, um, Allison apparently is now packing her desk and she basically accuses Amanda of nefarious behavior with Billy. And she's like, come on, we all heard you. We know, I know what you're doing. <laughs> and Amanda is like, yeah, I'm, you know, it's called preservation, basically. And Allison's like, we should be pulling each other up. I mean, God, like, we, how many times have we heard that recently, too? Exactly, exactly. Nothing's changed, and that's kind of sad. Um, But it looks like Allison quit. Yeah, I mean, this to me is like the slow clap moment of the episode. Allison really does quit. She actually does, like, this is the end of her career at D&D. And even Amanda's like, oh, you're quitting again? And she's like, this is is for real. Um, Yeah, she's gone from D&D. I think there's like a brief stint where she is brought back in towards the end of season five, but really for all intents and purposes, she has given up her career at D&D. Well, it's about freaking time. Yeah, and and it kind of leads to, even as the show continues to slow decline, a storyline I really love that remains a favorite of mine, like a long-term story. Yeah. Oh, okay. And when will we begin to see that? Next week, I think. Oh, thank God. <laughs> but it's like, it's the way they develop it that I really like into season five. Okay. So there you have it. That is the episode. This one was painful. Um, I, I, I mean, I want to say it can't get any worse than that, but I bet it can. Um, but in different ways. Like, I think there's nonsense ahead, but it's sort of more of the same nonsense that we've been dealing with the second half of this season already. Although I say that, and I know there's one other thing coming that I also hate. So not completely. Never mind. Oh, goody. Yeah, yeah. By the way, I've been thinking of ways that we could try and break up doing this episode-to-episode recap, like, in the doldrums of the show. Like, I was like, oh, did any of the stars do a guest spot on anything else? Like, we watched the Seinfeld episode, um, and there isn't really anything that times out chronologically right now. So I'm like, you know what, let's just keep it going, get these next six episodes out of the way, and then and then reevaluate the show starting in season five when it when it starts to move in a slightly different direction once more. Hey, you could uh, you could recap. Krusty gets canceled. He he auditions for Melrose Place. You know, we should actually. <laughs> we just watched that the other night. Yeah. So, in addition to knowing everything about makeup and the Real Housewives, Alyssa is also a Simpsons expert. So uh, she is absolutely right about that. Well, speaking of Real Housewives, we have a treat for you guys if you follow us <laughs> over to Hollywood Boulevard. Because, do. as I have been threatening for quite some <laughs> time, um, I'm I, I finally watched a few episodes of one of the Real Housewives franchises. I am not telling you who. Um, so that you follow us over there where we have our very own in-house Real Housewives expert, (laughs) Alyssa, who will take us through this wacky series. 
<laughs> That's right. We got a double whammy. So for your double shot uh, of special guest star Alyssa Mar, uh, join us over on the boulevard now. Yes. So um, head on over to the boulevard. Whatever I said made my Siri app go mental. Um, <laughs> she must be excited that we are going to talk about Real Housewives. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So follow us over the boulevard. We've got a lot to talk about. Yes. Till then, we will see you next time on the blog. Take care. Bye.